Welcome to the Casey Conley Show, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I have a very special guest today. We're live in South Beach in Miami. That, did that make me sound cool? It made me sound very cool. Um, he's performed on The Tonight Show, Conan, The Late Show with David Letterman, Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Late Late Show, which I mean all of the hosts, basically. It's an impressive resume. He also has his own uh, half-hour special on Comedy Central uh, Presents um, and a one-hour special that started on Netflix and is now on Amazon with a, with a title everybody can get behind. It's called Small Door and handsome and uh he's sitting right next to me on this sofa please welcome mike kaplan everybody thank you so much i was nodding the whole time <laughs> everything that you said was nice and or correct i appreciate it you are cool we're in oh yes south- not of approval <laughs> <laughs> south florida south beach all the things i'm i'm happy to be here thank you for inviting me to be on your show yeah thanks for inviting me to be in this apartment this oh. is way cooler than it, condo what would you call this uh yeah sure a condo I like Condo? it. Yeah. Oh, so I walk in and it, it overlooks like the intercoastal, it looks like. It's nice. Um, yeah, gorgeous. I mean, we can see cruise ships. I mean, I'm, we're going to take a picture after this thing. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll show people. I mean, you you pointed out, or I don't know if it was you or my girlfriend. Your girlfriend uh, saw Rini, who saw these two boats out there. One of them titled, uh, is a title of a boat named? Name. The name it's, of the it's a title. The boat is entitled. <laughs> what, is, what is its nomenclature? What is the, uh, the moniker of the boat? Yes. One, there were two right near each other, one called Illusion and one called Reality. Which is it? you too. <laughs> Get your story straight. They were they were heading in different directions. Very much, yeah. They're just facing away like they're old rivals. But yes. Uh, but yeah, we are in my my cousin's home. I'm I'm happy to be staying here. He's a lovely man, and that's where we are. So I can't take any credit. <laughs> uh, I didn't make him be my cousin. Uh, I guess we were nice to each other as children, so we're friends were as you, adults. Did you get to see each other a lot? Uh, yeah, he grew up down here, and I grew up in New Jersey, and my family would come down uh, and visit when it's cold. our family. <laughs> yeah, we would come basically like Christmas vacation and maybe February vacation. So at least once or twice a year uh, for most of my childhood. So I feel like, yeah, he's a he's been a constant. Yeah. And you had you basically had a vacation cousin. It was like your vacation home. Oh, yeah. And then he also lived in uh, Los Angeles for a few years and I would go out there for comedy things and I would stay with him there sometimes so that's pretty ideal as a comedian to have like a hookup cousin or anyone really yeah I'm, I'm just can, sending this guy all over with. the country yeah, yeah just like uh, I've got a gig in Des Moines can <laughs> you work there yeah. as a writer <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Like, or just pay for my Airbnb would be great. Yeah. Just, uh, as anybody just need, you just need a sugar cousin. That's all. That is, that's what people are missing. Um, well, great job. Um, okay. So I was doing, I, as you probably well know, listeners, I like to research my guests as a former, uh, television producer. Ah. That is my strength in this biz <laughs> research. <laughs> Nothing like a studious comedian. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not what everyone's doing. No. So, um, I, I saw that you have a master's degree, which right out the gate, just that alone, a master's degree as a comedian is really cool. I appreciate it. It's something that look, I, anybody, anybody can do it. Like right. n- not everybody does. I feel, and I honestly, when I got to the end of college, which I'm, I'm grateful. I've lived uh, a, a fortunate life in many ways. You know, my parents were both teachers, and so education mm. was uh, was a large focus for them. They were like, you know, you're you're going like the question of going to college was not not a question. A question. <laughs> yeah. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, in a in a suburb uh, in New Jersey, outside New York City. Like so, uh, pretty much everyone that I grew up with, for the most part, uh, that was like the path that we were on. Right. We were like, oh yeah, we learn and then we keep going. And we learn and, and we going, learn more, and then eventually. <laughs> you die, you know? And, <laughs> uh, and so I went to college and then I honestly, I was like, I, I think I was, I'm done with tests. I'm done with school. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I want to, I'm going to be a grown up. But then as the end of college approached, I was like, what, what does that mean? I don't Ooh, know what that's yeah. going to happen. I think like, everybody goes through that. Oh boy. And I was like, what if I extend school more? So oh. I kind of, the reason, one of the reasons that I stayed in school or got another degree was partially to, uh, ex- just out of fear, out of right. the, you know, just being like, I need to, like, I'm walking the plank. I'm like, we need more plank, you know? Yes, exactly. No, I think, I think that's pretty common. And it's just that I, I debated going to like staying in school simply because I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, trying to decide on my career path. What am I good at? I'm like, pretty good at being a student. Maybe I should just keep doing this. I've been, I've been nailing that. I've never tried anything else. So why get out of the comfort zone? Just live in the comfort zone. Just give me a backpack. I mean, the fetal comfort zone. (laughs) 
but so one of the reasons also that around that time I I wanted to give myself more time to you know figure out what I was going to do because I knew that I realized at the end of college that what I wanted to do was perform at the time it was music that I was oh, pursuing. Okay. Uh, Is that what you studied undergrad? I didn't study. I studied it throughout my childhood. Wow. My parents, thought, were, yeah. You went to the school of hard knocks, <laughs> <laughs> the school of life for music. I just, yeah. Now as a comedian, I go to the school of knock knocks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty fun never thought of that before we're having a great time uh yeah my parents were music teachers for most oh, of my okay. life and so I was uh, taught violin uh not by them though my mom did like play along with me at times uh when I was young young enough that she could play along uh right. until I reached a point where she's like you need other teachers more <laughs> than me uh but yeah I took violin lessons from age four through high school and wow. it was sort of required I like it oh. was sort of like the way that I don't know maybe other kids are like you have to go to church every Sunday you have to go to Sunday school or Hebrew school. Like I had to go to violin school every Saturday. I actually got required to to learn an interest, uh, an instrument as well. Oh. Bo- both my sisters played the flute. And so when I like, they're older than me. And so when I came around, it was like, what would you like to play? And I was like, uh, do I, I wanted to play sports. <laughs> ah, did, you, did you, did you say that? I, I tried that, which they did let me do that too, but I did have to play the trumpet for a few years uh, under- to, to be a good sport, if you will. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, it's a good joke. Uh, yeah, so I didn't love music initially, but then in, in high school, I taught myself guitar and all the oh. skills that I had learned uh, that were forced upon me. Now we're like, I'm like, ooh, this is like fun and I can play songs that I wanted to. And I started writing songs. Well, and that yeah. that's an instrument that gives you cool points. It's not just, you know what I mean? Like you're like maybe getting chicks that way. It, <laughs> but not, it, I, maybe, but, <laughs> but no, and not at that point. But I mean, it was something that I, like I was going to this summer camp that was a, you know, performing and creative arts camp and so I had a lot well, of that's why you weren't getting chicks uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah that's too, true as well uh, <laughs> you see right through me but I was becoming like in school I was like sort of uh, quiet and shy and introverted oh, okay. and I just like moved to a new town like right before high school and I like I wasn't good at making friends I you know like the same way I had been good at learning and school but I wasn't good at you know socializing right. and blossoming Ooh. until the summer camp sort of helped me open up in that way and like you know sort of led me along the path to like once in college I was like oh like kind of everyone is like everyone's afraid everyone yes like doesn't know what they're We're doing all insecure. Yes. and and so then I was like oh that's great I thought I thought it was just like I feel like so many people are like I think it's just me that everybody else gets it and knows what's going on right but yeah, so I I loved playing the guitar. I loved writing songs. And so then at camp and then in college, I started like performing at like talent shows and coffee houses. And then when I was 21, I started looking around the Boston area for like bars or like clubs where I could perform music. Cool. And one of the places I found was a comedy club. And that's how <gasps> I got into comedy. We've but, come full circle. Yeah, but I forget. Oh, yeah. So the, the master's degree Honestly, it was, I was just like, I want to start, I knew that I wanted to start performing and I knew that it would take a while if it succeeded at all in becoming like, you know, a money-making enterprise. So I applied to these grad schools. I got into one. Kind of like pursuing a backup plan actively. Uh, And, and, or just something that I, I honestly conceived of it as like, this will be something that will like, let me, like I I lived as a resident assistant. So I like, I didn't have to pay for rent. Perfect. And it just gave me. The old RA. Yeah. Gave me some purpose uh, and like something to allow me to live while I was then going out every night and trying to, you know, perform and follow this dream that I had an an image in my future. I was like, oh, like with the plank analogy, I'm like, oh, if I can keep, you know, getting these planks and building this ship and then eventually like I'll have my own ship and I won't need this ship anymore and I can jump off. Your illusion can become a reality. Ah! Hey. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, these boats were perfectly positioned for us in but, this podcast. Yes, so to be clear, anybody can be afraid and go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story. I'm not special. Wait, I have to ask this. I, this is sort of I'm just going to go tangent. Uh I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. Please. Any fun stories as an RA? Like anything any parties you cracked down on or anything interesting happened? You know, I mean, I I was, it was important for me to, for me to keep my job. I had to, you know, if they, if there were things that were trouble, like at Boston university where I was part of the rules were, uh, if you smell marijuana,
marijuana, then a person could be oh. removed. You don't even have to find it. There just <gasps> needed to be like two wow. independent, uh, you know, smellings, staff smellings. <laughs> two, two verified smellings. And, and uh, just in case kids were like, well, how do you know what it smells like? We're like, uh, officially, people from the Boston University Police Department came and did a controlled burn oh my of the substance minus the active ingredient. <laughs> uh, so we officially, we legally know what it's so we're oh just like gosh. please don't like like i don't want to i don't want i don't want people to be in trouble i want you know like i'm i've studied uh, i've been reading some buddhist things and like the goal of it, of of enlightened beings the goal of like life for let's say the person who wants to be a buddhist monk or sage mm -hmm. or enlightened master somebody who's heading along that path the goal is to become enlightened so that you can also help everyone else ah. become enlightened you want right, right. everyone to be able to you know see the things like cuz they're they but are in available but hopefully a more chill way because that's also the i think mantra of a lot of uh, Christian groups that aren't maybe the, well, the, I, the most uh, that's on right. the up and up. I think at the, the at the core, at the heart of most uh, religions or spiritualities of any kind is uh, the common, like they're all the same truth in different languages. They're right. all, you know, the, the focus is kindness, compassion, forgiveness, openness, learning, you know, listening, individual experience, you know, growing and becoming like if you cause harm, if you make mistakes, you know, uh, a pen, uh, re repenting, atoning, you know, acknowledging. But it's really, yeah. it's when you are going door to door with it that I think is the, sure. the interpretation is different. That That's fair. I think that uh, I can, there's a, there's a thing from the Talmud, uh, you know, this Jewish book of wisdom that uh, this guy, Zusia, a rabbi, he said, I'm not worried that when I die, I'm going to go before God and he's going to judge me by saying, why weren't you more like Moses? Why weren't you more like Abraham? He's like, I worry that I'm going to go before him and he's going to judge me by saying, why weren't you more like Zusia? And Ooh, so like, the like more authentic to yeah, yourself. And right. More, yeah. The, we're all like, we can all be inspired by other people, but we all, all are uniquely ourselves as Ooh. well. We have some things in common. We have our own, you know, gifts and paths that only we, we only have our past. We only have wherever we're heading. And so if you listen to that story and you're like, oh man, I should be like Zeusia. No, no, no. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> no, Zeusia, no, that's, that's not the guy. You're I should be it. <laughs> a rabbi. And so I think that, but it's easy to be like, oh wow, that guy really knows what he's talking about. I want to know what I'm talking about. Like when you get into comedy, you look at the amazing, unique voices that there are. You see Maria Bamford, you see right. Sarah Silverman, you see Patton Oswalt, you see Aparna Nancherla, and you're like, wow, they're so unique. I want to be unique just like them. Right, right. But you have to be unique in your own way. In your like, way, yeah. The way they're the themiest them. Like you're the Ueiest you potentially. Oh, I can't wait to be the Ueiest. I mean, wait, the, the meiest. Yeah, <laughs> that's. <laughs> and like the thing that you said about you know like one of the things that you bring that maybe everybody else doesn't. You're like, oh, you have a master's degree. I'm like you do research. Like you yeah, have exactly. your TV producer history. Yes, that you know what you're good at. And I mean, we're all in ways like doing like life research. We're all like by trial and error, like describing the things that we've done or that have happened to us be like here's what I'm good at here's what I like doing here's what I can learn and know and like that's the thing about getting a de any degree as well like there are things that you might be interested in there are things that you might be good at and like the reason that I followed the paths that I did I'm like I studied linguistics because I'm like this is fun it's, right. it's not that I want you know the backup plan of linguistics professor because <laughs> I, mean, that, I was just saying is there anything else you do with that there was I did have a job for a little while while I was in grad school uh, at a speech and language department of a technology company who like we were basically training computers to process language uh be it like oh, voice wow. recognition or like, you know, question answering kind of things or, you know, feed a bunch of documents in and be like, what is this about? You know? Right, right. Uh, and uh, don't worry, it's not perfect yet. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I was like, you're training the, the, the robots that'll take over. Yeah, and I'm like, hopefully to be like, uh, here's your drinks. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. They'll, no, they'll just use the same slang as us. Yes. I'm like, so you're so all of that you just said is what you told your residents to get them to not smoke weed. Oh yeah. You just, uh, maybe so you just encourage them to eat it. Because it's I'm, the smell that's the issue. I really appreciate. I mean, that if I could go back then, I mean, I wouldn't officially tell them that, but be <laughs> like, yeah, smoke is no good. Yeah. I can smell smoke. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Just, but things in a plastic bag. Here's the thing. <laughs> the re I'm glad that you asked because the reason that I did bring all that up is the idea, the goal of you know the enlightened Buddhist is to help everyone else 
else also mm-hmm. reach their own like personal uh, brand or version of their own genre of enlightenment, of connection, of self. Of- I feel like Buddhists are like kind of a version of like a manager in comedy. Yeah. Like, just helping you find your voice. <laughs> just taking 10% of yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But so the same way, like I, when I was an RA, this is like a very different scope of analogy, but I was like, look, I, I want to live here and I want to have, I want, I want to be problem free. I just want to live, live well. And I want you to live well. I want everyone to do what they want and not be in trouble. Like, I don't want to be in trouble for not getting you in trouble. I don't want you to be in trouble for like, if sometimes there was like, you know, if there was noise, then I would have to be like, hey, what's going on in here? If right. there's, I'm like, if there's not noise, he's like, we're not going around doing bed checks. Like, if somebody, <laughs> if somebody was ever like, I feel like my one of my supervisors was like, look, it's against the law and against policy for a student to have alcohol if they're not 21. If they're under 21, right. they can't have alcohol. And then he's like, sometimes you'll get a, a resident who's like, what if I'm just, how do you know if I have it? How do you, what if my door's closed and I'm just quietly sipping a beer and I'm not 21? How are you going to know? And we're like, we won't know. That's a great question. We only know when somebody's loudly sipping a beer. <laughs> yeah, or, or sipping a beer and smoking weed and we can smell it. <laughs> yes. If we, if we can sense it with any of our senses, right. then we'll come in and get it. But if we can't sense anything. Then live yes. your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so no, I do remember, I think I, a resident once threw a balloon, a water balloon out a window and I was, I just wrote a report cause they did it. And I think they did get removed from housing. I wasn't oh. like, I wasn't like they should like, right. but you're not allowed to throw anything out a window at BU. Even on the first floor? I mean, they, the <laughs> rules are rules oh, because yeah. there's like these massive skyscrapers in, uh, Boston university. And one time, uh, the story goes uh, like a, a way high up, I don't know, 20th floor or something or other. Uh, somebody pushed a couch out a window <gasps> onto a highway. So holy cow! That's why no, they're like, let's not have any yeah. slippery slopes. Well, you know, anytime there's a rule, you have to imagine that there's some idiot or some circumstance. Yes, some situation. Let's not blame the person sure. that uh, that caused it. That made we have to write this down now. Yes. Hey, why can't I throw a, a water balloon just to my friend out the window because of the couch? The couch like, blew it for everybody. Yeah. yeah so, sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, that is. Uh, that's that was me as an RA. Uh, perfect. I, okay, so you did mention that you studied lin- linguistics, which yes. is important because we're going to play a little game later. Exciting. And you mentioned you had a job kind of in it, yes. in that path. So that helps too with, I, I, I want to set people up for the game we're going to play so they're not like, what a strange game they sure. just decided on. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so your your stand-up is very, or to me, it seems like very precise when I've like watched you live and online and there's lots of clips and all that. You can watch a special on Amazon as we discussed. Um, but I'm wondering uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing like, because it seems so precise to me, are you like one of those types that like scripts it all very uh, detailed and like memorizes it? Or are you, is that sort of just how you speak? Because I can, I hear you talking right now and I'm like, oh, maybe... Maybe it's not just memorized. Maybe that's just how he articulates himself. Um, so if you want to share, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of like your process, like how you write or what it looks like when you're when you're learning it or working it out. I don't mind. What if I did? What if I'm like, you're I'm like, sorry. No, that question's uh, off limits. Yeah, I'll just roll right along pr- here. Proprietary <laughs> secrets. Uh, no, uh, and everyone can take from this as much as they want and do your own version of it. Uh, but I would say that when I started, I was uh, scripting everything out and it was mostly just sort of like one-line jokes, kind of like, you know, like math equation type jokes, you know, misdirections of like... Mm, if, set up punch. This, well, yes. then that. This, yeah. then that. And either it would work or it didn't work. Like and, almost like monologue Is that what you're thinking? Like yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of yeah. Thing? I mean, yeah. like, here's here's a joke from a long time ago. It was something like, uh, I went to Los Angeles, and there was a horrible earthquake that ruined everything at the Etch-A-Sketch Museum. That's it. And it's <laughs> right. uh, not a true story. Right. I hadn't even been to L.A. Like, there's nothing about it. I'm like, I like Etch-A-Sketches and want to write a joke about it. Nice. And so either you would like that joke or you wouldn't like that joke. Like, right. it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't coming from a deep place of truth other than I'm like, I'm silly. Here's a silly thing. Yeah. Um, and so then, so I started around 2002. 2006, I went to the Seattle International Comedy Competition. And one of the comedians that I was uh, competing with in, in a round of like 16 comedians was Rory Scovel. It was the first time that I ever saw him. I love him. He's got a special on Netflix. He's got uh, TV shows. They're wonderful. Like, he's, he's doing very well. He's so <laughs> funny in, in the moment. Like if you see him live, like he might do like night after night a different hour. Like oh, he, wow. he improvises a lot. Like I feel like at his, 
at his best. At his himmiest? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so his himmiest inspired me to a different kind of meatiness, you know? Yeah, very uh, nice. Like, sincerely, I would see, because we were in this festival, we were in this competition where everyone was kind of, you know, maybe like a few years into comedy for the most part, maybe a little more, some a little less, but... Uh, we had five minutes each night. And so most people were get had their tight five that they would do the same. We oh, do, okay. do six nights in a row, different audiences, different judges. Most people did a, the best a, some five. variety yeah, of their same five minutes every night. Whereas Rory did like different order, different jokes. And even like some of the jokes would like go longer or warp and morph into Ooh. different ones. And he would sort of like live in the world of the jokes. And he would be he would improvise and be in the moment in the space and i was like this is something that i hadn't specifically really seen anywhere else in stand-up especially if he was only a few years into it because i feel like that's something that happens when you i've been doing it much longer and you or you have the longer stage like more than five minutes where oh, you yeah. can like settle into it like paul f Tompkins, one of my favorites i feel like now or at least many of the recent hours that i've seen him do either live or his specials he'll start off improvising just kind of riffing with the crowd for 10 to 20 minutes and then go into his prepared you know right. symphony it's like you know it's first nice. jazz improvisation and yeah. then a symphony i'm gonna i'm gonna scat a little up here and then and so i that is the thing that eventually i was like oh that guy does like jimmy pardo a wonderful improviser like seeing reggie watts and kate berlant and you know these other people who are doing all kinds of you know some some prepared things and then some just very in the moment of the moment a good friend of mine micah sherman who i started with uh he started me he moved to boston a little after i started and then he was a stand-up and an improviser and so his stand-up was also very improvisational uh in the moment he w i was like how am i gonna say the word improvisational oh god <laughs> you got uh, there i made it <laughs> Woo oh boy uh but so seeing people like Rory and Micah and these other folks, like they, they really made an impact on me in that I understood that now I could, like I would still prepare bits. I might not prepare exactly word for word how it would go, but I out of a concept. And there's just, I remember one, one joke specifically that I had in my notebook that I tried a couple times and it didn't work. And then like a friend of mine was glancing through my notebook and was like, why don't you do this? This is funny. And I was like, Ooh. I tried it and it didn't really work. And they're like, well, it's funny. And I tried it again. <laughs> and then I kept, I did like the thing that I thought I saw Rory do, which is like, just keep living in that world, like living in the world of that joke. And I, I basically was just like saying more about it and essentially like riffing what would become the punchline. Uh, ah, yes. And the stuff that I thought the punchline before was just part of the setup. Quote and, unquote writing on stage, yeah. if you will. Yes. And so now that is that is the general process that I use now, which is I will, I mean, sometimes I will go on stage and have nothing, be blank. And then like last night I was at, uh, Kelly Brothers in yes. Fort Lauderdale. And the last time I was there, I did just a prepared show from beginning to end, you know, one that had sort of set into place. And I feel like in that environment, like sometimes there are people there who aren't there for me, that aren't yeah. there for comedy, that to, are... To set it up too, that's a bar. It's not a comedy club oh, yeah. traditional setting. This like is a, a bar. bar. Yeah, exactly. And so last night I was watching the other comedians and I was like, I, I have a show that I'm working on, but I, I also wanted to just be in the moment. So I sort of, I started... And you want to do yeah. well, believe it or not. We uh, want to <laughs> have good sets and man, everyone have a good time. <laughs> I do. And so I did think that I would have a better time and the audience would probably have a better time if I were to, you know, be, be more present. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I tried some newer things. I, w I talked about some of the things that the other comedians had talked about, some, some observations, some jokes that got written, you know, in the moment. And so that is like, I love both things. I love, I, I use that process, basically, you know, the jazz process to create a symphony eventually, because right. uh, I don't know if you've, have you ever glass blown uh, have you ever done glass blowing? I've been around it. I haven't done it myself. My the summer camp that I went to had it, and so there <laughs> the way that it works is, uh, you you there's a bunch of liquid molten glass, you mm -hmm. know, at like two thousand degrees, and you stick a a pipe into it, and you gather it, and then you bring it out, and you have to keep spinning it because otherwise it'll just drip onto the floor because it's molten liquid glass, and after a little while, it you know. You, as you're spinning it, you get it into the shape of either a bowl mm, or a plate or whatever it is, and you shape it, and then you can heat it back up again, and then it'll be a little malleable, but eventually, you know, it it 
hardens into the shape that you're like, this is what it is. It's done. And uh, that has nothing to do with comedy. But uh, (laughs) I mean, that is the way that I feel that there are these, you know, ideas, sounds, concepts, words, sentences, you know, life stories, observations, political things, whatever it is that you want to talk about it. It's all out there. And then you gather whichever parts of it you want. And you're like, here's kind of what I want to talk about. Like, you know, you might have beats or some ideas. You're putting your spit in there. So that's making it Yui. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're the pipe, you know, (laughs) and then you're, and you're spinning until eventually like, Oh, like, you know, for me, maybe every couple years, like a whole new hour, like settles into place. And I'm like, okay, now it's time to like cast it or, you know, Right. Uh, do whatever the version of that for glass. Is. <laughs> like, put it in the thing it, and be yeah. like, now it's done. <laughs> and now it's just to be. Eat cereal know, out of it. Yeah, or look put at it, up. use <laughs> it, shatter it, whatever it is, it's done. And then the process continues. But yeah, so in general, uh, my if I were to give myself advice to <laughs> do what I have done and for anyone else uh, is start by, you know, having ideas that you write as explicitly as makes sense to you and then go on stage with them and either say it exactly like that, but then be open to changing them or just have a general ideas and go on stage with those. So yeah. I guess my advice is do whatever you want. That's what I did. <laughs> That's good advice. I do like that you started that whole thing though with like, take from this what you will. Sure. Because it's not going to work for everybody. There's some people that are terrible at improv and if they try and go up there and like keep it loose, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a slow, slow death. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a book I read called several short sentences about writing or several short sentences on writing, probably on writing, it's shorter, uh, by a person named Klinkenborg. And it's a really, it was very valuable uh, to read, like whatever kind of writing, uh, you know, I don't don't write books necessarily. Like I'm writing comedy, I'm writing songs, I'm writing jokes. But uh, it was just such a, a valuable artistic like guidebook. In the beginning, the introduction, Klinkenborg offers, he says, I'm not here to tell you how to write like me. I'm here to tell you how to write like you. Yes. So just the theme is be like Zeusia, be like Klinkenborg, <laughs> be like Maria Bamford. Yeah. If you are those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, by the way, oh, you three. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so you meant you brought up uh, the Seattle comedy comp- competition. I did. And I, when I was looking you up, I noticed there was quite a few credits that were like this your whole thing started because you won funniest student while at boston university yes and then you had like boston comedy festival seattle one of nine finalists on uh that open mic fight competition oh yeah so i was just wondering like do you, like how do you feel about comedy contests uh i mean i think that in that they're basically uh not it not important they don't they don't do what they purport to do or if they are purporting to be like this is the funniest to, this yeah, is to actually dis- declare the best the yeah. funniest the be- yeah and i mean i remember when i was in that uh the the nine of us the finalists in that open mic fights for comedy central i think the next year at least seven of us like got a spot on comedy central like so it was basically they were like looking for comedians and i feel like the way it's like art is something that moves a person, you know, like Mm -hmm. whether if you're looking at a beautiful painting or if you're hearing beautiful music, like I think everyone knows for like for music, like everyone has their favorites and you know, it doesn't, if you love jazz, then you'll love jazz. If you love classical, you love classical. Like you might not love, uh, if you love hip hop, if you, whatever you love, like there is music that can speak to you. And then you can also watch uh, American Idol or The Voice or, you know, any of these like competitive singing shows where you're like, you know, it's not the world and life and, you know, capitalism and it's not the the question. Hey, how do you how do you win? How do you how do you win singing? Like, I mean, (laughs) it's great for like I love that last comic standing, you know, has given, uh, you know, it's almost like a necessary evil where it's like we've got to, you know, have some way to. You like I said, you I, you list them as your credits. It got you a place. Maybe it didn't. It didn't matter that night if you were the funniest or the best or you won the contest. But being in it and getting the exposure is kind of what's necessary. Yeah, I, maybe bundling it like that to sell it to people. And I'll also say it's not necessary. Like there's a, a comedian Ooh. I love, Ted Alexandro, who I remember when Last Comic Standing was happening. Like he explicitly, I feel like I talked to him either on my podcast or somewhere else. I heard him talking about it. He's like, I like to me, you know, comedy is not a competition. And he's like, I certainly don't begrudge. I'm I'm putting words in his mouth, but I feel like like I I love him and I respect him and I love this 
perspective that he's like, I'm not going to participate because I don't want my comedy competing. You know, I, right. I want to be subject to it. And well, it's, I bring that up because I just, he's doing I've great, been, so he wins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, see there now he's competing after all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bring that up because I had like a recent experience where I did a, a couple contests here in Florida and I went through like the entire highs and lows. And I, I guess I could say I pulled like a, I had a Ted Alexandro, but then I also had, you know, a, whoever won America's Got Talent most recently that's blowing up with it. So it's like, you know, I've got the benefits of it. But then I also had to suffer from the lows of it. And I was like, what, what is the point of this? Well, so, so I have a very, you know, I'm, I'm still ironing out how I feel about it. Exactly. Yeah. In, in the beginning, uh, of doing comedy, the one of the most important things is getting on stage as much as you can. And sometimes, uh, if there's like if there's a contest that's not like if you don't have to pay a ton of money to get into it, if you you know if it's not exploitative of you, if it's just like hey, there's gonna be a lot of people performing and there's gonna be audiences there to watch you, then it's a what show. What do you need? It's yeah, a show. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you don't quote unquote win, like you know, getting to do comedy is a winning of itself. Exactly. And also like. The way the way that you know Ted wins by being Ted, yeah, you win by being you. I like again, like the, we're not competing with each other. There, you know, there's billions of even people. even in the competition itself, we're not really competing with each other. No. It's, we're all just you know out there winning because we're out there. And like, this is like yeah. the participation trophy of comedy. <laughs> and you know, you know, it's here's the th I never thought about this, but like participation is the thing. Like the tro yes. trophy is not important. No. Like I don't. It's funny. I feel like somebody has a great joke and I don't know who it is. I, I should find out. But about like when people are like, ah, it's the participation trophy generation. Everybody gets a yes. trophy. Well, it's like, well, if all the kids are getting trophies, like they're not giving the trophies. So it's like your, your, it's your generation's fault. You know, <laughs> for they're not giving. ordering yeah. them on yeah. Amazon or wherever you're getting them from. Yeah. But definitely, I feel like for my new thing is the, like the participation, like doing something like w whatever you want to do, like, and part of it is looking at everything that is everything that you can see, like for you, like they're like, Hey, what kind what do you want to play? You want to play flute? I want to play sports. I know about sports. Like there's <laughs> not everyone is meant to do, you know, the same thing. In fact, if everyone was doing How the dull. same thing. Yeah. So it's great that everyone does have their like desires and flavors and tastes that they love. And, and hopefully, you know, like when you grow, when you're growing up, I feel like there is, you know, sort of a drive to conformism, uh, sometimes in like schools, like, you know, kids are like, oh, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to stand yeah, out. Exactly. But as an, as an adult, like standing up, being unique, being different, being like, oh, this is something that sets me apart. This is my perspective. This is my persona. This is my voice. If you can be in the beginning being different, you know, well, you want to stand out in the right way. Sure. I think, and even in high school now, I feel like I'm not like I'm some authority on high schoolers, uh, but I'm around a fair amount of them because of my wife's job. And I feel like there is a desire to stand out, but it's not, you don't want to stand out because you're wearing the lame outfit. You want to stand out because you're doing something positive in the world. You know, uh, there was a, a friend of mine told me a story about the, I think, whatever, an iconic punk group, uh, like maybe the Sex Pistols or maybe the Ramones. So or, not Blink-182? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, some, some like real, an iconic uh, punk group that who had a song that they licensed to be in a commercial. Oh, and so Ooh. somebody interviewed them and said, uh, interviewed like the lead singer, or the main, the you know, the main big punky punk, uh, <laughs> punky Brewster and uh, punky punkster. <laughs> and they said, Hey, isn't this like a little not punk to have your song in this Super commercial? And then the, the person says, whatever we do is punk. Yes. So, like, you know, you can do, you can do whatever you want. And so I feel like even like that was saying, him being the, or her being the hurriest or himiest. Yeah. Them, the themiest. And so like a kid, yeah, like you don't want to be like, if you're standing out for being like, oh, there's, I, I want to say a lot of things. One <laughs> is like, Sometimes, you know, you'll see a comedian who's like wearing a weird thing and they'll be like, can you believe I wore this? And like they might get a laugh. and You're like, well, you, you wore it. But still, <laughs> but, you know, they're taking ownership and agency They're of like, and that's what a lot of comedy is. There's uh, Harry Shearer, uh, I believe, once said like people get into comedy to control for why people laugh at them or how ah. people like, like people are going to be laughing at you. And so just being a comedian is sort of like another kind of Zen thing of like laughter is going to come. You can either like get in the way or yeah. you can like join it. You can go with the flow and be like oh this is one of the ways that i am funny i've noticed so i will present Embrace to you it. let me grab like, the reins <laughs> i know what you're thinking you know yeah. like i understand this is how i'm perceived and i do think that sometimes 
that can get not dangerous, but you know, people can uh, create a persona or brand or build on top of those things. Like I probably had like a lot of jokes in the past about like, oh, people think of me. They look like you probably don't get, you probably don't date a lot, probably don't get with a lot of women. And I'm like, so I had jokes about that, about that perception. And then at a certain point, I was like, well, I am I actually am in like a healthy relationship, so <laughs> I do want to talk about the honest truth of that. So. That I don't want to just go along with what it's like, you know, it's a balance of, you know, you want to do, you want to be true to yourself. You want to uh, not just do things because an audience is going to like them. Or when you're kids, you don't want to just do things because like the, everyone does it or the You'd popular like to enjoy kids it like at some it. Point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the, I think the goal can be, you know, a, a lesson for, for children and adults that there are, you know, there's, I feel like there are adults who are like, Ooh, I could never do comedy. Like I'd be too scared. And I'm like, but what do you do now? You're like, I just live a very sad life. You know, <laughs> I'm just, I just go to a job that I hate. I'm and miserable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, but I can live for a long time. I, yeah. I have health insurance, which there's a lot of, you know, uh, I also would like that. It would be great to have good <laughs> health insurance. Uh, so I Who don't needs know. that when you got a cousin with places like this, <laughs> though? <laughs> I don't have all the answers. But yeah, like, I think that standing out, if you can figure out the way, the ways that you, some of the ways that either you can't change about yourself or the things that you're like, oh, this is unique to me. This is fun to me. Like, uh, and sort of owning it. Uh, yes. Then like confidence is one of the things like there can be comedians who you tell enough good jokes, then you tell a bad one and be like, Oh, that one was bad. And then people <laughs> will laugh because they're like, Oh, that wasn't the expectation. Whereas, right. We didn't know you were going to review them. We yeah. thought our laughter was the review. Yeah. <laughs> when, and when you're, but when you're just starting out, you can't do that for every joke. Be like, Oh, that's a bad one. Yeah, that's a bad one. Are... I'm just bad at jokes. <laughs> I'll get one of these sooner or later. And that's what being a child is like. Being a child is like being a, a starting out comedian. You're like, you're like how do I even, what that's am I too real? To? I'm just, I'm not going for laughs, but I'm getting them. <laughs> <laughs> That's too real. Um, okay, before we hop into our game, which I like to close the show with, I got to yes. ask you one question. I ask all my guests. I accept. Um, so it's uh, it's just why are you here? What brings you to South Beach, South Florida, Florida sure. in general? Uh, it is the main reason is my grandmother. Um, so she lives in North Miami Beach and ah, yes. has. Uh, she used to live in New Jersey, uh, but years ago started going down, you know, snowbird the style. Migration. Uh, and so she would come down initially from like December to February, then November. Then she was it just sort of, you know, it encapsulated the whole year. Right. Uh, and yeah, so she moved here. And so if I want to see her, I I must come here. You and must. I, I do want to see her because she just turned 91 Happy yesterday. birthday, yeah. Grandma. And That's she, so exciting. Oh, yeah. She's... Uh, uh, you know, uh, as they say, I saw your post, not getting any younger hey. uh, as, as we all aren't. Um, and it really, it strikes me, my, uh, my girlfriend, uh, who I love, uh, I came with her to, uh, her family's also down here. So that's also oh, nice. a part of Twofer. our trip. Uh, and like in the past several years, uh, she, sadly lost two grandparents oh. uh, and we you know she got to spend some time with them before that that happened and that was very valuable and I saw that and I appreciate that oh. and so like I it, I mean it's it's all true for everyone like we don't know when anyone like of any age is going to not be here anymore we don't know when we might not be here anymore and I know this is like stuff that people quote unquote know, but there's like, there's like knowing the slogans and applying them. Like I've known, like, of course we're, we're not going to be here forever. Yeah. You hear all that stuff. I feel like all my life, it's just, uh, every, every couple years I'll run into another like old anecdote like that with all of a sudden I believe in so hard when it's like, it hits me like reality and you're like, Oh yeah, people have been saying that forever. And now you're like, no, but it's true. Yeah. 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 We get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to appreciate life. You yeah. Know? Uh, and like le just last night, my my mom was down here too. My mom lives in New Jersey. My mom and her boyfriend were here briefly celebrating my grandmother's birthday. That's wonderful. We got and the whole family. Yeah, my mom was like, "We'll come with you to your show." And like, so we we picked them up and drove the and drove and there was, there was like extra driving and things. And my my girlfriend was like, and I was like, I'm I'm glad that my I'm grateful that my mom like loves me and wants to see my work, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even if it takes me more driving. And my yes. my girlfriend's like, and she won't be here forever either. I'm like, oh, I thought Ooh. she would. I thought she was the only one. Yeah. Uh, but so basically, several years ago, I feel like maybe four or five years ago, I'll shout out Lisa Correo, you know? I know Lisa. Lisa. She's lovely. Yeah. She's been really great to me since moving here. Yeah, she is, you know, this, you know, sort of the the mother of comedy in Florida to me. <laughs> like, she is the source of why I've been able to come here and do comedy, which is that 
several years ago, I was traveling. Uh, I went maybe in 2013 and 14 with a buddy of mine. We were like, we just want to go on tour. He lives in LA. I live in New York. We want to go on tour, uh, like just through like the Southeast. And Mm -hmm. we just like contacted comedians we knew and they put us in touch with venues and bookers and like local, like the Lisa Correos of those areas. Got them all. That was before I'd ever, I knew Lisa, but I didn't know that I was like, oh, what if I, cause I'd always been trying to perform down here. I always wanted to, cause not that I don't like taking vacations, but I just don't generally travel for anything but comedy right. usually. And so I'm like, I would love to come down here and do shows, but there were, and there were some big clubs, but like a lot of people want to come down. There's like do, more yeah. comedians. There's a lot there of beach are. down here and there's a lot of reasons to, to, to visit. Yeah. But I, but yeah, but somebody put me in touch with Lisa and Lisa was like, yeah, you could talk to this guy, this guy, this, all these people. And so that's why at least once, once or twice a year now I'll come down and do shows in Boca, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, just anywhere within, you know, an hour's or yes. so striking distance of my grandmother's home. I'll either stay with my cousin and or with my grandmother and get to spend time with her as much as possible, which is what we'll be doing as soon as we finish recording. We wrap it up. I'm stealing you away. Oh, no. Um, I mentioned briefly that I saw that it was your grandma's birthday on social media. Yes. And I wanted to include that you're a great follow. If you guys are out there looking for some, oh, thank some, you so much. some good content, Twitter and Instagram, I follow you on. It's I just at Mike Kaplan, uh, which spelled M-Y-Q. It is. Yeah. Uh, just for, you know, heads up for searching ability. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else you're on there actively, but those oh, two yeah. are great. Thank I very you much for enjoy your content. I, my um, grandma herself is on Facebook as well, so you can oh, follow nice. there, and sometimes she comments, and uh, oh, those she are the best. a delight. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, also, before we get into the game, I want to mention your podcast too, Broccoli and Ice Cream, weekly podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys check that out. Um, Thank you. Um, okay, so this game, I have dubbed it, it's a linguistics, a true or false games, but okay. I, I've decided to call it in accordance with fact or deliberately made to deceive. Ha ha ha. That's fun. We can also call it accurate or erroneous. I accept. Um, so you pick you pick what you want to uh, label. So I'm going to read a statement about language or linguistics that I found online. I want to go ahead and source. Uh, most of this came from unbelievablefacts.com. Oh, sounds good. With, with some help from Reddit. Boy. Uh, so if anything's wrong... <laughs> If, if my, my facts are erroneous, then uh, <laughs> it's their fault. I accept. Um, okay, so you can say accurate or erroneous or true or false. Get creative. I don't care. Yeah. Okay, the, the first statement on linguistics is, there is a Brazilian language that can be whistled, hummed, or encoded in music. I don't know the answer, but I'll say it's accurate. Accurate is correct. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's called the pariah language. Oh. It's got a little tilde over the last A. Okay. I don't like know how pariah that, like like a hermit or how how do you spell it? It's P I R A H A with a tilde. Ah, uh, almost piranha. Yes, very close. It's like in fact, some piranhas if here. there was a typo in there on unbelievablefacts.com, <laughs> then maybe it is. That Who would knows? be believable. Yes, it would be actually. The makers of the the purchasers of unbelievablefacts.com, we mean no nothing malicious. Oh, thank you so much. We know yeah. you're doing your best. Um, okay, so. Next one. So you got that one right, oh, you, right. for those keeping score at home. Uh, number two, or statement number two. The English language consists of words that are contronyms or that are their own opposites. It consists of? Is that that's what you say? That's the statement? That is the statement. The I'll English language consists I, of words that are contronyms. Uh, I would say that's a strange phrasing because I feel like consists of sounds like it's only made of that. And that's certainly not true. So I would say, let's let's go ahead and put out there for the benefit of our people playing at home. And you, of course, uh, that I don't believe unbelievablefacts.com is getting that or me are getting that detailed in the question asking. (laughs) Okay. I mean, uh, contronyms words that mean their opposites like there are some of those in english uh example cleave cleave is a word that can mean to separate or to come together together, yes well then i should rephrase it to say the english language uh possesses words that are contronyms then i'll say that i think is accurate yeah the fact that you had an example off the top of your head tells me uh, that you know what you're talking about so another one you're two for two i had some examples cleave was one of my examples oh good or one of unbelievable facts examples sure but also dust oh yeah which means to remove particles or to lay down particles yes um it also uh execute 
to start or begin, but also to end or finish. I have one that's not exactly one, but I came up with it. It's one in spelling. It's resign or resign. Oh, yes. Very nice. Looks like one. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, And then the last one I wrote down here is overlook. Oh, yeah. Which means to supervise, but also to ignore. Yeah, it's good. It's a good one. It's a winner. Good work, English. But Cleve was like the main one in all the the examples. That's the one they teach in the classes. (laughs) 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 Oh, that old Cleve. Uh, it's a cleaver, if you will. Good um, old cleave. Okay, so next up. People who communicate via American Sign Language do not have accents. Uh, that is false. That is correct. You are right. It's erroneous. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, they. it is a language like any language, mm-hmm. so every everyone has an accent in yes. every language. I wrote down that uh, th- they have examples here that like it, it can vary depending on like age, ethnicity, and uh, what like if they're able to hear a little bit or if they're completely deaf. And then it also says uh, it has been observed that the speed of signs delivered differs, like like regionally. That so makes like sense. people, yeah, I was, I mean, like it's the still way fascinating. that you might speak slower in the south on right. average than in the exactly. north. Exactly. Like, do you know? Here's an interesting fact about sign language that I have a friend who is uh, a sign language interpreter, and she has shared many, uh, like, just cool like i'm like wow i didn't even know these were like things to know but this is like kind of a basic one you know english uh spoken spoken english uh in america and spoken english in england uh we can understand each other uh american sign language and british sign language are not similarly understandable oh, to one interesting. another that's very interesting. In my un- in my understanding, right? If I according to your interpreter friend who was just pulling yeah. a real gag on you, <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand either of them. So yeah. she's like, to "I'm gonna me. make him yeah. look like a fool." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So next up, uh, Papua New Guinea has over 850 living languages. Hmm. Uh, this one that I it's such an interesting thing because I'm like, why? Like, would that be? If it was false, why would you make that up? So I'll, I'll, it could just be that maybe they have over 850 not living languages, but I'll say it's accurate. Why not? It is indeed accurate. Yeah. Um, I was trying to turn this into a question. Like I was like, ooh, I should turn some of these into falsities. Right? Sure. Take the facts and change to false, which I did with the last question. But this is what I was trying to do. I was like, oh, I'll change it to like has 500. And I was like, that seems like such a jerk move. Yeah. What, yeah. You, unless you did like 2,000. You're like, oh, it's not 2,000. It's 850. But what if it is? Because yeah. it's the the answer was the, the statement is that it has over 850. Yeah, you don't so know I don't know. Maybe it is 2,000. Do you I know, have no idea. I what if to, it's just 851? I used to have this joke uh, idea about, uh, do you know Thousand Island Dressing? Yes. Do you know what it's named for? Secret sauce yeah. <laughs> for everybody's. Um I would assume an island or it's, a set of thousands of them. Yes. So in, I, I believe there's a river between upstate New York uh, and Canada and the thousand islands are there. And I looked up, I believe on Wikipedia, how many there are. And I think it said there are more than 1,752. And I was like, that's a weird number for you to say that there are more than. Is it 53? Yes. They're like, we just stopped counting. There was a couple more. Who knows? Uh, like union rules. We, we got to go. Yeah, we didn't want to go into. Basically, they did what I did, which They're is like, like, I don't want to investigate this. Let's just call it number. a thousand. Yeah, we, we know for sure it's a thousand. Yeah. Even well, we, yeah. I imagine like it depends on the tide. Like some days there's more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, what a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the tide rose and covered 751 islands. <laughs> still safe with the name. Yes. Uh, that's amazing. Okay, so uh, next up. The word cliche was originally an onomatopoeia. Mm, I don't think that's true. I'll say that's false. That is true. Wow, I you have are, no idea. Yeah, it's true. It came from the sound that old printing presses made while making copies. Really? Yeah, I guess it made it the sound like cliche. Cl- wow, in ki- French, they, they were like, that's what it is? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I yes. don't know. According to Unbelievable Facts, you seem like you're questioning it. No, but- no, I <laughs> I just want, I'm like, there's got to be a false one eventually. Yeah. Well, there was. The people, the, I said yes. the, the sign oh, language one was. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I yeah. just, it's hard to I like it's your mentality. Um, next time I play this, any kind of a true or false or accurate or erroneous, I doubt I'll play that again. No. I'm going to put make them all true or all false. That, that'll really get really, people. Yeah. I know. So yeah. you have to get one wrong. Yep. Okay. Next up. Uh, the most frequent word in written English is B. B-E. Oh. Uh, I don't think that's true. I'll say that's false. You are correct. Do you uh, know what it is? Mm, is it the? That's correct. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're crushing this game. <laughs> uh, the is the most frequent word, uh, comprising 6% of all written words. B is the second most. Ah, pretty frequent. close. Yes, the third, if you're curious, is two, T-O. Ah, that makes sense too. Although that 
The second and thirds are according to Wikipedia, so... I, I understand. <laughs> don't trust it entirely, unless you want to. I, I trust it as much as until somebody tells me otherwise. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair assessment. Okay, this is the final question. Ooh. Uh, I believe you've only missed one. For all the marbles. Um, For all but one of the marbles. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, last question or statement. Only 5% of the world's languages are represented online. I would be shocked to find out that that was true, but oh, there are so many. Uh, I'm going, to, I'll say false. Incorrect. I'm sorry. That is true. It's that, accurate. Wow. It is in accordance with fact. About that. <laughs> as we talked about it. Wow. But hey, you were two, uh, you only missed two out of seven. Oh, that's, that's nice. Uh, I wasn't a mathematics major to give you that percentage and off the top of my head, but it's pretty impressive. I was a math minor. It's a passing grade. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely not, av- I mean, it's definitely above C. Um, well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Oh, thank um, you. I want to remind uh, the listeners out there, if you guys, if you liked him, if you didn't like him, I don't <laughs> care. Uh, you can check out his special on uh, Amazon. It's called Small, Dork, and Handsome. Uh, follow him on social media at Mike Kaplan, website MikeKaplan.com. Yeah. That's M-Y-Q, just to save you some trouble. Oh, yeah, thanks. And um, his podcast, Broccoli and Ice Cream, it's on every week. And if you're a Patreon, you might get some bonus stuff, too. You definitely get twice as much every Ooh. week. I talk to people about the work of their life and the joys of their life in general. Is so, that the broccoli and ice cream, if you will? It. That's the that's perfect. 100%. So one of them which comes out. Which is which? Ah, great question. Depends we, on the depends guest, on I imagine. The guest. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes, uh, usually, we talk about the the work first and then the joy second. So the if you pay money behind the Patreon paywall, then you'll get the joy. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, so you got to pay, pay for the joy. pay for the joy. Work for free. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. So I, I feel like the broccoli and ice cream uh, analogy of work and play, probably, or joy, very much relies on their lactose sensitivity. I mean, I'm vegan, <laughs> so also oh. all of the ice cream is uh, almond or coconut-based. Oh, it's, very it's nice. metaphorical How, as I know. Well, so, it's yeah. metaphorically uh, pleasing to your digestive no system. No eating required for listening to my podcast. That's lovely. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so thanks so much for being a guest, and thanks for listening, listeners.